0: My name's Jeff Bajoric, and my career in sales has been a hell of a ride, and I want to bring you along with me. If you prefer to sell things at a premium, if you never want to win a deal on price, Price rethink the way you sell. Welcome back to the show. My name's Jeff Bajoric. I'm your host, and I'm here to help you rethink the way you sell. Now, If you remember earlier this season, I told you where Sell Like You came from. It hit me kind of out of nowhere while I was at Outbound in 2021. And I bought the domain right away. I used the hashtag in a couple of posts. I kind of knew that there was some place to go with this, but didn't know exactly where. And really my understanding of it and what it could be was pretty limited. So I set it aside for a while. And then during the summer and early fall of 2022, I picked it back up again. I had more ideas around it. I knew what to do with it, and uh, I just started to look. I said, I wonder who else has come up with this. I wonder if this is still a unique idea. And as I searched the podcast realm for this hashtag, essentially, uh, I came across the Cell Like You podcast and a woman named Harriet Meller. And immediately I said, well, this is someone that I need to connect with because we've got kind of the same ideas along the same lines. And um, she's not doing exactly what I do, but something very close, certainly close enough to make the connection. And she wonderfully decided to sit down with me for a conversation for this show. And I can tell you, she is Amazing at what she does. You will see in this interview um, the unique approach that she brings to what she does, the unique backstory that she has, and really what impresses me the most about her. And I hope you pick this up, is just this idea, or, or not really an idea, but but the way she carries herself throughout the whole. Uh, conversation. And and really, I get the impression the way she's carried herself throughout her entire career, there's just this almost effortless, I'm sure there's more effort to it than she makes it look, but she's just got this self-assured nature to her. And uh, it, 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 it calls about this feeling of total security and ownership in who she is, what she does, and how she does it. So I hope that rubs off a little bit on you as you listen to this discussion. We cover a lot of things. I'm not going to give the whole episode away. Enjoy this conversation, and I will see you on the other side of it. Harriet, it is so good to be with you, um, to connect with you. It's funny. I was um, really researching this sell like you concept. And I I came up with this, I mean, a year and a half ago as we're recording this, but I never really did anything with it. And then I was just kind of searching out there. I'm like, I wonder if anybody else is, uh, you know, kind of in tune on this idea. And of course there's your podcast, the sell like you podcast. Mm -hmm. I said, well, if I'm going to approach this subject material, I have to connect with this woman. And, um, I'm delighted to be with you today. Thanks for being here.
1: Yeah. Thank you for inviting. Thanks for jumping
0: into my DMs on LinkedIn. I'm not known for sliding into people's DMs, but uh, (laughs) but when I I knew I had to connect with you and um, I just, I I read the description of the podcast. I read, you know, I listened to a couple episodes. I looked into what you're doing and I said, this lady gets it. I need to talk to her. So it's, it's kind of fun. I, I was talking to my wife about this and, um, You know, she said, Jeff, it's like big magic. I'm like, what do you mean? And there's a book, a best selling book by Elizabeth Gilbert, that talks about how she had this idea for a book and she put it away. And at the same time, another woman, halfway across the world from her, wrote the book that she had in her mind, like the same character names. I, I may be getting some of the details wrong, but it was like yeah. spooky. Like this was way beyond coincidence. And this whole concept is that when there's an idea, when the universe presents you with an idea, you either listen to it and you take action on it or the universe takes it away from you mm-hmm. <laughs> and gives it to somebody else.
1: It to somebody else. <laughs> and,
0: it's, it's, and it's one of those things where if, if you've ever needed validation that what you're supposed to be doing You know, or that something is there for you to do and you need to do it. Um, You just, you hear these stories and um, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm glad to connect with you and I'm glad to hear uh, your take on this whole thing. Um, So I want to start by asking how, what's your, what's your sales origin story? What, what, how did you decide to get into sales or were you coerced like uh, most of us seem to have been?
1: most of us this way come on it's the dark side um (laughs) it's definitely definitely coercion i will have to say that um but i always remember sitting in you know as as i got into sales i will come back to how i got into sales but as i was in sales in every sales training it was put your hand up if you um if you said when i grow up i want to be in it sales and we would all chuckle and then we'd move on with the sales training but that was funny for me because Back then, when I was just starting out in my career, I was an events planner. That was what I wanted to be. It was what I dreamt of being. It was glamorous and I could go to all these different locations and and see the world. And uh, it wasn't quite like that, um, but I certainly got into the industry and eventually found it quite boring. It was the same events, same style, et cetera, so on and so forth. And I got into a job interview for an IT hosting company, and they took me on as their internal events. So it was very Google-esque, it was cool events, and we had unlimited money, and we could do some really fun things. And mm-hmm. the CEO of the company, said to me repeatedly, probably daily, you need to be in sales. And I was like, I'm mm. absolutely not going into sales. There's no right. way, no, through hell or high water, I'm not going in sales. I will do anything but sell. But what I realized was that actually I've been selling my whole life and he saw something in me that I just hadn't quite connected and it came up as with an opportunity where the business was growing we were like 150 200 people and they were growing to 600 people and he said you're my person i need you to come in and support the team and i need you to train the sales team great i don't sell i don't know how i'm selling he said you know what you're doing
0: you were asked to train a sales team where you Mm -hmm. would not even held a sales role you So you said you realized that you had been selling this whole time. I, I'm writing this down because I want to come back to it. I don't want to interrupt mm-hmm. your story. And then I went and interrupted your story when you told me that you were responsible for training salespeople, but you'd never had a sales role.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. I'll, yeah. I'll let you come back to that then in a minute too. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> So, so he, he came through and said, We need this, we need this doing. You're the person for the job. And at the time, I've been doing a lot of projects within the business. And so he'd seen me kind of go in, execute wins, come out, negotiate with people, all of the sales skills that we could you know, that we could dream of, I had, and I've been supported and taught and and uh, mentored through them. And so when this opportunity came, it was really positioned as onboarding. So I was like, yeah, i on yeah. board. And then it was like, okay, now they need to cold call. I was like, okay, let me, let me research. So as the process went on, I came into this role. And for me, the point of, of coming into that was like, okay, I'm going to give it a go. What's the worst that can happen? If I don't right. like it, can I go back? And he said, yes, you absolutely can. So, and that was really the start of my, of my official sales journey. Um, but you know, now when I look back, there's so many roles. I started out when I was, you know, 13 or 14 working in retail. And then I worked, you know, worked my way up through different jobs and different positions and that was forever selling. Um, mm-hmm. but just the label for me, I just never wanted.
0: So that's interesting because I, a lot of us feel that way. And I never, I mean, someone recommended that I get into sales and I turn around and wondered if they were talking to someone behind me, right? Like, mm-hmm. w- wait, wait a second. We've worked together for how long? You don't know me by now. You're, you're suggesting that I do this. And I think one of two things happens. In that situation, you either have no idea what selling really is, or you decide to define selling as something different than you had originally defined it. Which of those was, maybe those are the same thing to some people, but I mean, like, what was it like for you? And, and, you know, you mentioned, I realized I'd always been selling and now I'm just kind of backdooring my way into sales training for this company. Um, When did that switch flip for you?
1: I would say that the switch for me came probably just before I got asked that question uh, about joining the sales team and supporting this growth and the onboarding was that I was working with the marketing team and we were looking at testimonials and we had these incredible businesses, massive companies that I knew of, that I bought from, and they were having challenges at the time. It was all to do with where you were located and where the hosting you know, where your hosting provider was located made a massive difference. And um, now that's not the case, but back then it was. And so the problem was they was that these these companies were having challenges in getting their clients to their website. Without clients to their website, they can't make sales. Without sales, they can't grow their business. And so what I was able to see then was the fact that by, by working with us, by using us to provide a solution to their problem, we were able to overcome their challenge And support them in growth so they were seeing exponential growth really early on from switching just to hosting providers from somebody in the us to somebody in the uk and for me that was the connector of hang on a minute we can really make a difference and an impact to a business and you know whether it's your business or your life to a business that i could see it was it was there it was there in black and white for me and at that point i was like how why are we not telling more people? That this is the opportunity that is right at their fingertips. And we've got it for everybody in the UK. And so at that point, it wasn't how can I sell more of these? It was like, how do I tell more people that this is a possibility, that this problem can be solved and I can help you do it?
0: Mm. Mm. And you were just a person problem. You decided that you mm. could take that on. There was something yeah. that excited you about solving those kinds of problems. Yeah,
1: yeah. I was That's like, "Get out cool. my way. Let me get to that phone. Who can I ring?" Um,
0: you know, mm-hmm. I talk a lot about the the passion that comes from alignment with what you sell, who you sell it to, how you sell it, and then why that why is so, so important. And, you know, the, the components of that alignment, you know, the, really the missing piece, the piece that we all have to figure out ourselves is the how, right? Like the, the and everybody's got their own playbook and, and you really need to, you don't need to start from scratch and build from the, absolutely the ground up. The templates are out there, but you have to kind of, create or modify the template to the point where it really fits the way you feel best um but the alignment part is the key and that why i think it's it sounds like that was the trigger oh my goodness we can make such an impact here people have so much in front of them that they don't even realize and Mm -hmm. that's you know i tell people you know, once I redefined selling for myself, once I, once my perspective opened up, the entire world opened up. My life has a much richer experience now because I got into sales and not just because I have, uh, you, you know, there's, there's it's a commission job and I can give myself a raise anytime I want. And the money's pretty good and, and all this stuff. It's I see selling as a way that we all relate to each other as humans relating to other humans. And as soon as I made that switch, it was like mind blowing and eye opening. And that was my why that was, I said, Mm -hmm. I have to do this for other people in some way. I didn't think I'd ever open a business. I thought I'd teach a college course or something just help people do more good. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's really incredible when you see that problem that can be solved and you realize that you have the skills to solve it. It is like a light switch flips on and you're ready to go. Like it's a fire in your belly for sure. Mm -hmm. Was that your experience too? Yeah.
1: Yes, definitely. Find that like, i what i guess really what i what i understood about me and about the way that i approach life is that i was a connector i was a like the natural thing in me was Mm -hmm. i was a connector from a very young age and my mum you know talks to me about it and how i just went after what i wanted and how i would always make sure there was a friend with another friend in the playground and that was that was how i've always been brought up and that's how i that's that's my personality and so the helping bit Is very natural to me. So if I could solve, you know, if I can connect you with somebody else to solve a problem, I'm going to do it, whether I know you or not. If I hear that there is a certain problem, if I hear somebody in the shops talking about something and I'm like, I know where you can find that thing. Mm -hmm. I know somebody that can solve that problem for you, I'll say, I'm really sorry, I just overheard what you said. Here's somebody's card, or do you mind if I share somebody that I would recommend? I'm that weirdo in the shops.
0: (laughs) Wow. But that's, you know, it's funny, you you jokingly say you're that weirdo. Mm. Is it weird to help people? It, is it weird to feel so passionate <laughs> about something? It yeah. It's not common, but is it weird? Mm. And I just, I think, and it's not just semantics here. I'm not just reframing things so that I can feel good about what I'm saying or the way I'm saying it. It's mm. It's, you know, you can help somebody. And when you mm. believe very passionately that you can help somebody, you mean all that's getting in the way is me picking up this phone the only thing that's getting in the way is the fact that i haven't reached out to them in some way Mm -hmm. you know it's like i don't know you were really loud in the store and i just was walking by looking at something else and i heard that you said i happen to know someone who can help there's nothing in it for me other than to potentially help Mm -hmm. you if you'd like i can pass you this number i do that too sometimes not so often with you know complete strangers um Mm -hmm. and but sometimes, you know, um, sometimes when I'm out, I'm out, you know, just to be by myself and I just kind of, I'm always paying attention, but I'm not necessarily interested in <laughs> contributing, but, um, yeah, I think it's funny cause there's, there's a lot of talk about discipline and there's a lot of talk about, you got to get up early and you got to have your morning routine so that everything is consistent so that you can get into a state of workflow and you can do this and you can do this. And it's like, you know, discipline's not that hard when you're, really passionate about what you do Mm. it's not hard to work 60 hours a week Mm. when you just like what else would you want to do i've had these these discussions before um with my wife she's like you're working all the time and i'm like yeah if you give me something better to do i'll do it." it it's not because i'm a slave to this position it's not like i feel like i'm behind all the time it's like I really want to do more of this. So mm-hmm. like if you and the kids are just watching TV or whatever, I'm just going to be over here. I'm going to be writing something. I'm going to be researching something. I'm going to be reading something like these are the, this is who we are. It's what we do. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah.
0: When did you, I think like, what does it mean to sell like you? And when did you kind of break out of the mold of what everybody else was doing? Um. And, and, I'm saying I'm asking this question because I ask everybody, you know, during this season. So I, I want to get to this this topic, but it also sounds like you arrived at sales a lot more intuitively than most people do. Mm-hmm. Tell, unpack that a little bit. Tell me a little bit more about your journey and, and when you realized you were in sales to when you took kind of a formal role, and and that, was there another. Um, was was there another transition for you, or are you just one of those weird people that intuitively knew how to do this and and just killed it?
1: From- <laughs> um, good question. I was definitely not. I wouldn't definitely wouldn't say I killed it from the beginning. Um, but I think because I had the ability to stop and learn and listen and really understand what sales is in my own in my own terms Mm. and but understand who you know the people that were doing it the first book i was given by this by the ceo of the company was the ultimate sales machine by chet Holmes.
0: oh my
1: book oh what a book so if you haven't read that if they're listening read the book i had and we had we had hundreds of them so it was it became i read it and i said right every single salesperson has to so as part of onboarding, they would read the book, and we would share our biggest takeaway from the book. So I was forever learning from the people that I was training, mm-hmm. and so I think for me, the the selling like me came from understanding what I was trying to achieve and doing it in my own way. So I, you know, I didn't have scripts at that point. I didn't really have templates, and I then eventually had to create them when I became, you know, more involved in the sales training process of more in depth and more opportunity driven. As to what was working but i used to look at what didn't work so that we could see what potentially could work and you know leveraging understanding the language and the and the objections and a lot of that i would say probably did come in intuitively but the learnings came from all the incredible people that have gone before us, and um, mm-hmm. you know, in a sales role, and and even, I mean, like Wolf of Wall Street, what a great film! Uh, you know, not necessarily you know the best role model at that point, right. but incredible <laughs> at what he achieved, um, and incredible now what he does. But if you look at the story, like they were hungry, like that was that was what got them there—the belief that they could that they could make money more than make a difference, and the believe yeah. they could make do it every single day was something that they got up and they never questioned it and so the mindset piece and all of that so I think that's my starter journey and when I moved to Australia in 2014 I came and I had no idea what I was going to do I was like I've been in IT sales it's good Do I still want to do it? I don't know. I don't have to work for a few months. So I'm just going to enjoy the summer and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And I ended up on a boat, as you do in Australia, and uh, with a friend of a friend (laughs) who owned an IT company. And he said, here knows what the elastic cloud is and we would like to hire you and so that was my job interview over a beer on a boat and I ran his company for a year and then got poached and headhunted and taken somewhere else so that's kind of you know that's the journey often of a salesperson the biggest transformation for me at that point was that I came towards the end of my of my corporate career I call it um you know three years ago now and before I before I I left that job I spent um six months working with a coach in LA and that was at the time probably I thought I was going to get business coaching and I'd get a bit more clarity on what I should be business coaching and career coaching as to as to what I should be doing next because Mm -hmm. I'd hit a not really a ceiling, there's no ceiling really in sales, but I'd hit a point where I was like, I can keep going. And I've done extremely well. And like as you said before, making good money and I'm supporting really like really cool clients and I'm I'm making a difference. And, and people know my name in Australia when it comes to IT sales. So what else do I want from this? And I get often asked a lot about what did I learn in those six months about business and about you know growth. And I was like, the biggest thing I learned was mindset. Mm-hmm. And that comes all the way back to my first beginning of journey, you know, first beginning of my journey in official sales of knowing that I could make a difference. And so therefore, for me, that six month journey was just mindset of what is possible. Let's have some fun with what's possible. What can I bring to somebody with all of the skills and all of the experience and knowledge that I've got? And am I passionate about it? And that was where Your Sales Co. was born. And and that's then now my official journey into sales. I would.
0: So what does it mean to sell like you? Well, in short, it means more pipeline. It means bigger deals that close faster and more often. It means more customer loyalty, so there's less churn. And it means a culture on your team where winning is expected and everyone's having fun. Now, if this sounds like something your team needs, go to jeffbajorek.com forward slash services and find out how I use this approach to help teams like yours create world-class results. Now, back to the show. I've never heard anybody say what you just said about what they took away from the Wolf of Wall Street movie. That is impressive Mm -hmm. because I felt like that film was... Um, It was, it was fun. It was really fun to watch. It was a good movie. It was, I mean, the, the actors were brilliant. I mean, it's a compelling story. Um, But to me, it almost felt like, um, and the word is escaping me right now, but like, look at this spectacle, right? Mm -hmm. This was an example of how not to be. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways, I think it, it made Jordan Belfort uh, relevant again. And helped him launch his, you know, his his podcast and and all this this his sales school and all this stuff. And it's like, are there really people who idolize that kind of? There still are, but and in a lot of ways, I think that represents all the things that we don't want to be like in sales, which is really interesting. But what you're saying you took away from it was the passion, the enthusiasm. That hey, look, just because. And we, we don't need to demonize money in any way, but just because their goal was, or their passion was about making as much money and having a great, as great of a time as possible, it doesn't mean that it isn't a valid passion. And so when you take it, like here, here are people following their passion and what am I that passionate about versus what is this spectacle of a, just a dumpster fire of a, mm-hmm. <laughs> a situation yeah. going to prison yeah. and things like that um yeah. that's that's really really interesting but it also sounds like you've always just kind of intuitively followed where you've where your your soul in a lot of ways has told you where to go like that's yeah. i i don't know if i've ever talked to somebody who did that specifically (laughs) in that regard that's see so you are one of those weird people um
1: i told you i was weird (laughs) that's okay
0: in the best possible way we're all weird um but um you know that's interesting because i I think that and maybe it's one percent of the top performers that that are just intuitively just free enough to not have that resistance. I've been listening to a lot of Stephen Pressfield recently, and he talks about resistance with a capital R, this, this lethal force that tries to talk you out of whatever it is you feel is the right thing to do. And you have to overcome this. You have to work through this. You have to recognize it for what it is. And um, I don't think there are very many people who don't have it, or maybe there's just manifested self Kind of way mm-hmm. um but i think every top performer makes a decision to work through that resistance at some point point. and maybe you're not just one of those people maybe you're maybe that it just maybe it just faced you in a, in a different way like this this the confidence the clarity to say no this feels like the right thing to do i'm gonna do it were you taught that or is that again just something intuitive mm-hmm. any other way
1: um i think we're going we're going further back now but I think with with my with education I hated school like okay. did not enjoy it at all. It was not my place. I it was too restrictive. Um there was like you know there were so many rules and people to tell me what to and I found that when I left, because in the UK, you go to school till you're 16 and then you can go to sixth form or you can go to college okay. and then it's university. So I went to college and college was a lot more freeing. You could choose the subjects you want to learn and you had deadlines. But if you didn't show up to class, nobody cared. Right. If you, as long as you got your work in on time. And that for me was my, that was where I, 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 I thrived. At that point, I realized I didn't want to learn and just read textbooks and write about it. I wanted to go and do something about it. And that was what I said to my parents. And at that time, there was, you know, my brother was a year and a half, two years younger than me. And he's extremely academic. He's a car mm-hmm. designer. Had to go and do, you know, all the physics and the design and the sure. art. Went to university for four years. Incredible at what he does. That wasn't me. I wasn't an A-star student. And so... I felt like I always had something to prove growing up, not going to university, going mm. to work in a restaurant, being a nanny, working in retail, like all of the you know, the, the jobs that I did to fund my brand new car and all my shoes and all the things. Sure. Found my way into what it was that I wanted to do. And I think for me, I've always gone, well, this feels fun. Shall we give it a go? And there are times where I failed and there are times where I've gone, oh, I don't know if this is for me or really second guessing what it is that I'm doing. But the question I always come back to, and again, I've learned these, these techniques over the, over the years. What's the worst that could happen? Mm. I, I fail and that one person laughs at me or I learn and I'm successful and people celebrate what it was that I created. There's you know, there's, there's so many ways of doing it. And that doesn't mean I'm not scared. It doesn't mean I'm not challenged every single day, but if I'm coming up against something that I don't want to do, I'm like, why is it because it's not the right thing for me to be doing? Or is it because I'm scared? And if I'm scared, then let's do it.
0: You, you touched on something there. And I talked um, about having to uh, re- rethink and re-examine your dysfunctional relationship with failure. What does failure mean to you?
1: Oh, failure mean? That's a real. I, um, I think for me, because I always talk about, you know, you either win or you learn, you never lose. Yeah. Um, yep. so- yes. I, I feel like then with failure is. If you ask me if I ever failed at anything, I'd probably just say my English GCSE. (laughs) um, (laughs) So I think for me, I think failure is just not hitting a mark that I thought I needed to hit, maybe. But for me, again, if we look at the failure point in sales in my business, because, you know, again, I deal with clients one on one, I have online programs, I have online courses. I never go into something saying I have to get 15 people on this course Mm. or I have to sell. $250,000 of this course for it to be a success. I just have to sell it to one person. And if I sell it to one person, it's a success. So maybe I don't pitch any failures. I don't look at failure as an option because if somebody doesn't buy my thing, it's not because I failed. It's because I either didn't articulate it properly or they don't know that they need it yet.
0: Yeah. It's really, I think um, people have way too low of a bar for what failure is um i i think they're you know you make a sales call and someone doesn't pick up you know or you make a sales call and you know someone doesn't want to buy from you or whatever it, it's like okay did you learn something because if you learn something on this sales call that is going to help you make the next sales call whether it's to this prospect or another one it's a win it's a step mm-hmm. forward no step is too small so long as it's headed in the right direction and you keep taking steps um and when you redefine it that way, I'm either winning or I'm learning. Right. It's like, okay, how often do you not learn something? Mm -hmm. Right. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I guess every once in a while you're going to call 50 people in a day and no one's going to answer at the very least you learn that it's not the right day to make those calls. (laughs) Right. I mean, I don't want to, you don't want to be reductive about failure, but I remember one time I was, um, I was selling in uh, North, well, Northeastern Michigan. And uh, I didn't realize I went from, I was selling to physicians. I went from doctor's office to doctor's office to doctor's office in this in this town. And everybody was closed. I'm like, what? It's a Tuesday. Why is everybody closed? Like it was, the sun was out, like whatever. It was the official opening day of deer hunting season and I just, I don't hunt, and I forgot what day it was, and I was like, oh yeah, don't sell up, no, like the schools were closed, it's like a holiday for a lot of people, and I'm, I knew this, I just didn't recognize what day it was, so even in that in that time, it was like, oh yeah, re- remember, you know, what time of year it is, and what people, if you're making cold calls door to door in a town, um, you should, you know, just kind of check the temperature of what's going on, so there's just so many ways to continue to learn, and I think, like the mindset around a sales career is so important because it keeps your momentum going. In a way, it's almost like, you know, redefining what success and failure are, help you keep your momentum going so that you're not derailed at the drop of a hat. I mean, and that's mm-hmm. so easy to do that there's so the ups and downs are are so severe sometimes. And, you know, I had a, a manager, my first manager. Jeff, you can't get too high with the highs. You can't get too low with the lows. And I said, "Well, that that sounds great." I didn't really know what he meant until much later. But these constant, like when you can redefine your journey as just constantly stepping forward, constantly moving forward, mm-hmm. that helps you not get too carried away in in either direction. That's um, mm-hmm. that's powerful. And
1: it's, a a tip really for that that I find has worked for me over the years, and it's something that I recommend because I talk about lots of things in threes. I know if you if you okay. look at the power of three. And, but looking at what's the one thing you can do today to move your business forward or move an opportunity forward or move your something that you're selling forward like how can you get that into somebody else's eyes is Inbox, whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. What's the one thing, two three, three things you can do to move your move yourself or your business forward, or your sales opportunities? Because that's what you're. As you just said there, you're constantly. We want to keep moving forward. And somebody said something to me about that. You're that if you're trying or if you're built seeing momentum. We always had momentum unless you're going backwards. And I was like, that's mm-hmm. such an interesting thing to say because I said you know, I was talking about um an avenue within my business that I'm really, you know, the momentum's really there now and it's down to consistency and and all the things that, that I've been working on. And he said, well, you always had momentum. Uh, he said, you're just seeing, you're just accelerating that. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting point. Because mm-hmm. again, I think coming back to that failure piece and lifting, surround yourself with you know who is who's lifting you up who's telling you that you're winning because if I said to one of my you know one of my friends one of my mentors somebody that surrounds me that I really um you know cherish their opinion or their support and I say oh I didn't get that deal or I didn't I didn't achieve this or I was hoping to hit this mark and I didn't they would say well what did you win and what did you get or where did you get and how do you feel about that and Therefore, looking at who you surround yourself with will show you whether you failed or whether you won because it's all about how you look at it and Mm. what other people around you are telling you is a failure versus a win or versus a learn.
0: Mm. Who's reminding you that you're winning? That is such a great Mm. way. That is such a great way to put it. Um, I'm, yeah, big, just, I've always found a way. This has come intuitively to me. I've always found a way to try to surround myself with people who make me better. And if if I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong room, kind of thing. And um, it's uh, that I love the way you put that. Who's reminding you right now that you're winning? That's that's really powerful. Harriet, so, this has been. Yeah. Go ahead. No, The question
1: you just said then about you know or the comment you just mentioned then about being the smartest, not being the smartest person in the room, mm-hmm. and I t- wholeheartedly agree. How do you find this question for you? How do you find getting out into those other rooms? where you aren't the smartest person if you find yourself the smartest person in your existing rooms.
0: Oh wow. Flipping this around on me. Mm-hmm. Um I I think my curiosity makes that not an intentional decision. If 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 you know what I mean. Like I I don't it's okay if I if I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong room. I think there's always something that someone can teach me. And so I'm always in that position where I feel like I have something else. Um, and then my curiosity, not only does that help me see things differently in whatever room I'm in, but so that's a perspective shift, but I also, I think, seek things out that always push my boundaries, right? So when I'm playing golf, I want to play golf with people who are better than me. And now I want to see what they're doing. Right, and when I'm in, when I'm at a sales conference, I'm going to try to find people who are, you know, next to me, or, or, you know, I, I recognize some people, or you get engaged in some really interesting conversations, and, you know, I want to learn more. And there's always a way to find someone who has some expertise in a place that I don't. Um, I always got along really well with my teachers in high school and in college because I, at least for the subjects I cared to learn about, uh, because like. That, that curiosity to me means a constant expansion of my own horizons and boundaries. And I think I've always just intuitively been, been curious. I've never been asked that before. I like that question.
1: Yeah. That's cool. I like the curiosity piece. It's mm-hmm. that's, that's how I teach qualification is mm-hmm. being really curious. The person, the business, the the department, their goals. And when you get curious, you have a really interesting conversation regardless of whether you're selling or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's that's really interesting way to put it because I would not have said curios- curiosity. I would have said I'm going to find somebody, you know, that I believe has done more or believe is better. Um, mm-hmm. And I always find as well, like I always look at people, there's a guy around the corner, and I haven't met him yet, um, but a guy around the corner in his garage, he has a Lamborghini and a Ferrari and a BMW mm-hmm. M3 thing next to each other. Sure. And I'm like, what does he do? right and every time so i was like when i walk past there and he's there because they, they recently moved in I was like, i'm gonna ask him what he does like that's because i am genuinely interested like you are successful right maybe uh you know how do you you know either that or big loans um you know how how have you achieved this you know mm-hmm. what what do you do i'm genuinely interested um and that just kind of came to me when you said Get curious, and and I guess really that's like the weirdo in the shopping center answering people's problems. But I (laughs) think I think curious is a good answer. I like
0: it. Well, I think you can't be curious unless you're willing to be wrong, and once Mm -hmm. you're willing to be wrong, you're willing to admit that someone knows something that you don't. So, you know, not being the smartest person in the room isn't as hard as it thinks, or isn't as hard as it sounds. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if you're just if you're open to the potential that someone can teach you something, and I just believe that every person. every human being can, can teach us something. My kids, when they were newborns taught me things right through nonverbal communication, they couldn't even talk yet, but you just, you see their disposition when things change, you see the, 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 their ability. Um, it's really not even ability. It's just their innate nature to be in the moment, to be present. Like just, there's, there's so many things that you can learn if you're willing to, agree admit, uh, that you don't have it all figured out yourself. That that's what, that's what curiosity is to me. And, and maybe, um, you're going to see that guy out there and you're going to find that it's just Jordan Belfort's, uh, summer home or winter home, um, <laughs> you know, in Australia, cause he always likes it to be summer or something like that. And, and that's why he's got the three vehicles that way. <laughs> yeah, it
1: could be exactly. Yeah. I'll, I'll keep you posted. <laughs> Please
0: let me know. Let me know. Take a selfie. Send it to me. Um, I will. <laughs> Harriet, this has been lovely. I'm just, I'm so enamored with your work and what you're doing and, uh, your energy and your vibe, like from halfway across the world, uh, is coming through on this podcast. So thanks for staying up a little late with me and, uh, sharing everything that you have now with, with everybody listening. How can people learn more about you, what you do, your programs, et cetera, where, where should, uh, where should they go?
1: Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Well, thank you for having me. I've mm-hmm. thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Um, you mentioned at the beginning I've got a podcast called So Like You. Um, that's probably the best place to, to to find me, to learn more about the techniques and and I guess really the tips and experiences that I share um, and the guests and, and you know, and some great opportunities on there just to find out about new people and, and get curious in your own way. Um, otherwise you can find me over on LinkedIn uh, just search Harriet.
0: what did I tell you? Look, I told you that she's got this effortless way of just com- just confidently going about how she does what she does. And that is apparent. And I've got to tell you, I know that feeling translates to more clients. That feeling translates to more customers for her, always has. And she talked a little bit about curiosity. She talked a little bit about what it means to fail, what it means to succeed. And, you know, in the next episode, I'm going to go a little bit deeper into uh, what the definition of success and failure uh, should be, I think, for you, because I think most people have bad perspective on that. So I want to take that nugget from this conversation and move forward with it um, in the next episode. But um, I just want you to sit for a second and think about not just what Harriet had to say, but how she said it and how that can hopefully rub off on you. Uh, The best way to find Harriet is through her podcast. Um, So you're probably listening to this in a podcast player right now. Sell Like You. Go search for it. You will find her. You can also find her on LinkedIn. Those links are in the show notes. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your time with us. And I'm looking forward to going a little bit deeper into the concepts of success and failure on the next episode. I'll talk to you then. Rethink the way you sell is a pot about it production. It's mixed and edited by Doug Branson with music by Blue Dot Sessions and Doug Branson. This podcast is masterminded by Jeff Bajoric.